Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard No, it is open. If a top spins, dip in soot. It's episode number 98 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the world's slimiest Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tillian and joining me as usual is Mr. Fancy Pants, Liam O'Donnell. How you doing today, Liam? So fucking fancy. I can't even do anything. You are a fancy, fancy lad. That's what I keep hearing on the internet. Well, you know, it, it that sort of came about because I bought a fancy lad outfit for a party, but it just fit me so well. I just wear it all the time. You wear it all the time. Liam, at the beginning, uh, in my little intro there, I did a lengthy palindrome, Liam. Yeah, I don't like palindromes. Now tell me. Tell me why you don't enjoy the uh, the old palindromes. You know, it's just showing off. That's all you're doing there is showing off. Liam, what's your favorite palindrome? Well, I literally just said I don't like them. Yeah, but you, B, B, that, well, A, I don't listen to what you have to say, but B, just because you don't like them doesn't mean you don't have a favorite. Like, Madam, I'm Adam. That's a pretty good one. No, no. How about um, just something simple like Bob? Bob is pretty good. Liam, did you recently go to X-Fest? Did you go to that? I did. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe you paid attention enough to my life to ask me about something. Now, X-Fest, just tell us what that is. Uh, so Exhumed Films is a uh, organization that has been hosting 35 millimeter horror screenings for whew, about 21 years. And uh, at a certain point, they decided, hey, we don't just have horror f- uh, films in our collection. Let's start doing some exploitation uh, screenings. So they do a tw- uh, 12-hour, yeah, I guess 12-hour wow. uh, event. Where they just show uh, exploitation films on 35 millimeter, and you don't get to know what it's going to be ahead of time. You just pay, and you come, and you find out. Did you stay for the entire 12 hours, Liam? I left. Mm. I had to drive home, so I missed. uh, There was a movie called uh, Survival Run that Mm -hmm. I didn't get to watch. I watched the beginning of, but then I left. And then there was that was it. And then that was the last thing that happened. Okay, so you just missed the last film. That's not too bad. Well, yeah. Well, yes. What? Why? Why, what's, why are you hesitating there? Doesn't matter. Never mind. Mm-hmm. I never brought. I never brought it up. What was your favorite movie of the festival, Liam? Oh, oh, you know, this is why you're asking me because the the my favorite film was <laughs> the first film, which was a Canadian film ah. that uh, you you both you and a friend of the show Rob Scavarla recommended to me, and that's a little movie called Siege. And also did, known as self-defense. Also known as self-defense, filmed in Nova Scotia. So not only a Canadian movie, Liam, but a East Coast Canadian movie, even closer to my heart. The movie made Halifax look so fucked up. I was like, <laughs> why would anyone live there? Because it's like living in early 80s New York, but without any of the culture. Well, also, what did you think of the uh, – you know what? I'm not going to ask you that because it actually presupposes that the people listening to this would know that movie. But maybe we'll talk about it some other time, Liam. What was your least I thought fa- it was good. I really liked the movie. It was a lot of fun. What was the least favorite movie that you saw there? Um, Keep that negativity a... to yourself, Liam. 
Okay. Oh, sorry. All right. Well, yeah, our guest sorry. this week is a writer for the Austin Chronicle and uh, a writer for Film School Rejects, the website. It's the returning Matthew Monaglia. How are you doing, Matthew? Is this a Canadian film podcast? You never told me that. It is. I, I got to go. I got to go. That's why the film that we're going to talk about today was made in Lithuania, Matt. Yep. <laughs> Very on theme, very on theme. Like <laughs> Matt, what's your favorite Canadian movie? You're a guy who writes about movies and watches them. Uh, yeah, it sort of depends a little bit because a lot of films are shot in Canada. That's but true. They truly be Canadian. Can I can I use, it's not a Canadian filmmaker, but it was shot in Canada. Can I use um, Boris the, or sorry, Eddie the Sleepwalking Cannibal? You can, certainly. Okay. Now I have. That is my, that's my favorite, that's my favorite Canadian film and one of my most appreciated, underappreciated horror films just in general. Well, I like hearing that. And I love recommendations to our listeners that they might not already be a fan of or aware of. But I have a question now for both of you, which is that the director Guillermo del Toro has a house in Toronto. And he shoots most of his movies in Toronto. Now, of course, he's from Mexico. He is not Canadian. But if he lives in Canada and makes movies in Canada, are those Canadian movies? Starting with you, Liam. Yes. Really? Because The Shape of Water didn't win a lot of awards at the no, Canadian Academy. No, I don't Academy know. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, Matt? Canadian movies? I'm going to say it boils down to how international, because the industry is now, because not only is Guillermo del Toro living or has a house in Toronto, but he is also working in the American film industry That's and true. spent time in Spain. So you have four countries that he has played a big role in the cinematic output of at this point, I think he is a nationality unto himself. Oh, I guess that's fair. But, you know, the late George Romero lived in Toronto during his later years and was making films in Canada, in Toronto. And I guess no one ever really thought of, say, Land of the Dead as being a Toronto uh, or a Canadian movie necessarily. I think probably it depends on where the money comes from, not necessarily where it's shot. Because as you mentioned before, Matt, lots of movies shot in Toronto, but they're not set there. I think you will have to pry George Romero from uh, Pennsylvania's cold, dead hands. I think they will give him up and never. What do you think? Uh, that's a good point. Well, that, well, that's a good fight for us, right, Liam? We should have a debate about where George Romero belongs. I mean, it's it's Pittsburgh. Right. What possible mm-hmm. rational argument for you could you make uh, beyond Pittsburgh? It doesn't make any sense. Well, l- here's the thing. You know how Bruce Springsteen, he got out of Jersey, right? He he was born to run out of New Jersey. He literally still lives in New Jersey. What he, are you talking about? He was born to right run. Now? He had to get out of there. Got to got to cut loose and uh, get out of there. Well, no, no, I'm with Liam here. I have friends <laughs> that live in Jersey that see him four or five times a year. Nobody Jersey, associates so. the boss Bruce Springsteen with New Jersey. That oh my <laughs> God. No, but this is I told what you, I don't want to be on a Canadian podcast. <laughs> so what I'm really trying to say, because that, of course, was ridiculous, is that at some point, George Romero made the decision, I need to get out of Pennsylvania. This place fucking blows. I need to go where it's cold all the time and the people are kind of mean. I need to move to Toronto. And he decided to spend his final years there, Liam. I mean, that's fine, but... I, I... No one has made movies about Pennsylvania with the weird specificity that he has. Like, not only has he made movies that were set in Pittsburgh, at least that's like a recognizable city, but he set movies that were importantly set in weird suburbs of Pittsburgh that are scary and very weird. Well, I have this note from George Romero himself. This is an exclusive. (laughs) He says Pittsburgh sucks. Uh, that I like Toronto more. Rest in peace, me. 
I mean, I'll go ahead and let you know that I like Toronto more than Pittsburgh. This isn't about me having some sort of ownership. I'm just saying Pittsburgh would murder you before giving up George Romero. No, it's there's a PS here. Pennsylvania as a whole sucks. Um, I mean, this is moved into some sort of insanity that you have. Well, it so says hopefully let, you'll cut the whole thing. There's there's a little more here. It's PSS. I do like that Liam O'Donnell though. Oh, um, Uncle George. Matt, <laughs> sorry, it's so stupid. This is the dumbest thing we've ever done on this podcast. I cut, I know you don't listen to the podcast, Liam, but I cut huge swaths of ridiculous stuff out of this podcast. Just it, this is all for my own edification. Matt, you are a writer in Austin, Texas. Correct. What's uh What's going on in Austin lately? Are people having a good time watching movies down there? Yeah, you know, we are the uh, the birthplace and the capital of the Alamo Drafthouse Empire. So we have that going for us. Um, the last few weeks, every single screen in this damn city have, has been dedicated to Avengers Endgame. So feeling a little bit of that keep it weird Austin vibe has been lost in our local exhibition scene. So you don't like but, you don't like big blockbuster movies down there in Austin. Oh god, do you follow me on Twitter? Of course I do. <laughs> but um but, you know, it's just it's one of those things where in the time of year where there are interesting things that like what is the the uh, uh, German thriller um, Hasse? I can't remember the name of it. The, the horror <laughs> film. Um, there's a, there's a couple of those. There's a couple of movies that should be playing independent films that should be playing in theaters and would be playing at Draft House if it wasn't for the fact that Avengers Endgame is blocking it out. And, you know, if it was a July release, fine. Nobody's releasing counter programming really good indie horror in july but like there's some stuff out in april april's a good month to kind of play with some low budget genre stuff and i'm feeling the pain of losing access to screens that i normally would have access to but in austin in general you know we've got a couple of we've got a lot of stuff going on we just finished um south by southwest about a month ago which mm-hmm. was pretty fun We've already get starting to get some emails for fantastic fest this fall which is nice and we've got a ton of little uh, different size festivals in between from the Austin film festival. There's the, uh, what is it called? The television film festival that they do here too, which what? is increasingly a bigger and bigger thing. Um, some smaller festivals. TV is so good right now. That. I hear TV is very good right now. I've watched some. It's not bad. Mm. Matt, I don't mean to interrupt you, but what's the movie that you saw at South by Southwest that everyone should check out once it's available? I would see villains, which is the, um, the film that has Micah Monroe and um, I always want to say Bill Skarsgård. Is it Bill Skarsgård? Did I, I get think that so. correct? I think that's correct. Yeah. The guy from It. There's mm-hmm. too many Skarsgårds and Skarsgårds running around. Um, it's sort of a Bonnie and Clyde meets Blue Velvet oh. uh, type story. It's a little weird. It kind of is engaged a bit with, um, you know, kind of the, the, the 90s run of wannabe um Natural Born Killers films, sure. like that wave of crime films that came out after that. Uh, but it's got it's got kind of a, a nice little energy that's all its own, and I really liked it. I, I have friends that say that Boys in the Wood, um, Matt Donato, a friend of my show, which is just me, says that Boys in the Woods is is the film to beat, especially the genre film to beat coming out of the festival. But uh, those were probably the villains was probably one that stood out for me. And, um, I mean, the rest of it, I think, that I saw is found distribution at this point. Uh, you can watch The Highwaymen on Netflix if you want. Mm. I don't know why you would. Ooh. I wouldn't do that. Oh, boy. Pass. little shade being thrown. Well, we'll keep our eyes out for those movies. And speaking of keeping our eyes out, we need to talk about all the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report. 
It's the Roberts Report for episode number 98 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And as per usual, we start with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word. Uh, Just 18 hours ago, Eric Roberts was tweeting. This was a response to someone who tweeted on Twitter. I just about hung up on my kid when I saw Eric Roberts on hashtag my cat from hell. I love this show at Jackson Galaxy. And Eric Roberts responds, we all love Jackson Galaxy, but never hang up on your kid. You did say just about, so we're good. Thanks for watching, though. So Eric Roberts, he is not a fan of people hanging up on their children. Liam, you have a young child. Sure. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, do you think that Eric is giving some solid advice here that if you were on the phone, now, of course, I imagine your child does not have a cell phone yet. Nope. No, but if you were on the phone with them, did you think mm-hmm. that it would be a rude or damaging gesture to hang up on them in order to watch a reality television show. Yeah, but I mean, we're talking about Eric Roberts on, you know, uh, Cat from Hell. That's a whole different situation. Oh, you mean you're talking about Eric, (laughs) not Eric Roberts on my Cat from Hell, because he wasn't uh, uh, labeled a famous actor on that show. (laughs) That's but but clearly (laughs) just Tonsi (laughs) knows who Eric Roberts is and recognized (laughs) Eric on the show. Uh, We're being somewhat facetious here, Matt. You see, Eric Roberts and his uh, lovely wife, Eliza, were on an episode of a television show called My Cat from Hell, where they were identified as Eric and Eliza, but there was no reference to the fact that he was a famous actor or that he was an actor at all in the episode. It's truly bizarre. What do you think about that? I have watched and enjoyed episodes of House Hunters that had C-list actors. Mm. Um that were introduced by first name only. And when they do the little blurb at the beginning, you know, they don't be like, oh, you know, I'm the star of Veronica Mars or something. They're like, I, you know, I'm an actor. I live in Los Angeles. And so I think that's I think that's sort of darling when somebody is such a big fan of a television show that they're basically like, yeah, I'll show up. And I don't even need to show up as like the celebrity version of me. I just want to show up as a guy that's got a cat that's a bit of a pain in the ass. Hey, you know what? I think it's a pretty healthy attitude you have there, Matt. And also, sometimes maybe these celebrities are like, I have a cat from hell. I need Jackson Galaxy to come here and tame my scary cat. Do you, do you have any pets yourself, Matt? I do. I have one adorable nine-month-old uh, lab golden retriever mix thing. Now, what is the name of this lab golden retriever mix thing? So her name is Story. Uh, it's short for Astoria, which is a place where my wife and I lived for several years in New York City. Um, but we call her Story because my wife works in publishing and I, I'm a film critic. And so it's a nice little, you know, our, our lives are kind of focused on stories. So Astoria to Story. We liked it. It made sense to us. That's pretty darling. I like that a lot. Is Story a well-behaved dog? Increasingly, yes. Um, if you'd, if you'd asked me four months ago when she was younger, I would have said no, but, um, we actually prior to this podcast so that she would behave, took her for a very long walk and she, we let her go off leash for a little bit. She was actually, she was a good girl. So yes, I, I would not need to bring her on my dog from hell. We're, we're returning to the Eric Roberts movie corner on this episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Seth Rogen tweeted on May 2nd. Long Shot opens this weekend, and I'm very proud of it. That's his latest movie with Charlize Theron called Long Shot. Eric Roberts says, another huge score, no pun, from Wave Uno. Fantastic music choices in this majorly wonderful movie. Everyone should be proud. If you like Bullworth, Animal House, Pretty Woman, anything, you'll love that Long Shot movie. Now, Matt, you are a film critic. Have you seen this Long Shot movie? 
I have. I saw it at South by Southwest. And what do you think? What is it? Uh, does it stand up to Bullworth, Animal House, Pretty Woman, or anything? <laughs> well, anything is a pretty broad category, so I don't want to say that he's wrong there. I will say that I am one of a handful of people that really did not like Longshot. Um, as a comedy, <laughs> as a comedy, I think it's pretty funny. Um, as a sort of political satire and a contemporary examination of women in politics i think it's more knocked up than anything else and i'm sort of constantly flabbergasted by the fact that this has like an 86 uh, 90 on rotten tomatoes i know a lot of film critics that really really love it Mm -hmm. and i it's one of those situations where you go you look at everybody around you and they're all saying one thing about a film and you're saying something else so you go you know what i i guess i'm not saying i'm wrong i'm just saying that this one was not for me count it Punch the clock. Go find something else. Liam, do you think it's interesting that one of the examples of a uh, amazing uh, comedy that Eric Roberts has used here is Pretty Woman, which happens to star his sister Julia Roberts? Um, no. What if I added this? His wife Eliza is in Animal House. Oh, so he's just promoting movies that no, he's connected to? I, I don't, I'm not saying that whatsoever. I just think it's kind of interesting that two of those three movies that he has named has some sort of familial connection to him. What do you think his connection to Bullworth is? Uh, it just makes him giggle. One more tweet from the Eric Roberts Twitter feed. Uh, this is uh, right after his birthday, uh, which we actually uh, gave a big shout-out to Eric Roberts on his birthday on the most recent episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. This is Richard Marks, the great Richard Marks. Uh, on April 18th, he tweeted, Happy birthday, Eric. Heart, heart, uh, cake, cake, clap, clap, uh, also clap, clap emoji. Uh, and Eric's response was, Miss you guys. Hashtag vegan meal soon. Looks like Eric Roberts and Richard Marks continuing their fast and long-lived friendship. Uh, staying with you, Liam, what is your favorite Richard Marks song? I think we may, may have actually asked you this before. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I have no idea. I can't you, think of You didn't it. do a deep dive after our last conversation on the subject? Hell no. Why don't you like Richard Marks? He's actually quite an amusing fellow on Twitter. I wasn't aware that being an amusing fellow on Twitter was enough for me to like your music. That's why you like me, Liam. That's why we're here doing this podcast. Mm, I mean, I guess. Is it because he's not punk enough? Is that why you don't listen to Richard Marks? <laughs> hate you, <laughs> hate you so much. Uh, how about right here, waiting for you? There you go. <laughs> Did you go to a film festival called X Fest because it reminds you of the X's that you have on the back of your hands? <laughs> <laughs> What's funny about that is, uh, uh, at that fest was my friend Chris. Uh, who does literally have X's tattooed on the back of his hands. <laughs> and we were reminiscing about when I first met him back in the day, he had dreadlocks oh, and he boy. used to get, he used to get asked for weed all the time, even though he literally has X's tattooed on his hands now with flames coming off of them. Oh, there's flames coming off the X's. Yeah. in the tattoo, he like got, got that added on flames over at dreadcentral.com. There's a article titled trailer. Ice T takes a terrifying stroll down Clinton Road this Friday at PIF. And uh, Liam, this should interest you. This is the Philadelphia Philadelphia Independent Film Festival. And I want you to look at the notes that I've provided for you, Liam, because it seems to me that DreadCentral.com uh, have, have misspelled the word Philadelphia. Uh, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that would be incorrect, yes. Sounds like they need a better editor over there at DreadCentral.com, but I'm not going to hold it against them. Uh, Clinton Road. They just – do they? uh, This is the issue, Doug. What you've posted here is from Dread Central, right? Yes, directly copied and pasted from Dread Central. Don't worry. This isn't my error. No, no, no. What I'm telling you is that they clearly cut and paste this from (laughs) the press release, which means – Philadelphia Independent Film Festival needs a better copy editor, and since I know many of the people who are involved with this organization, <laughs> I will 100% confirm they misspelled Philadelphia. Now, I, can you really confirm that 100%? Because I want, I want, because what I'm doing while you're speaking is actually looking up the title Clinton Road and the misspelled Philadelphia Independent Film Festival to see if I can find some other people bringing that up. Liam, you don't have to answer that. I mean, yeah, I, I bet they did. Uh... <laughs> Liam, I mean, those are your people. Don't throw them under the bus. I'm just confirming. Uh, the the last person who ran this festival threatened me because there was an article about a Russian movie on Cinepunks, and he said, uh, I, I own the Russian movie coverage in this town. Did he really do that? Yeah. Are you he told putting Josh the, he was going to kill him. Are you putting the Philadelphia Independent Film Festival on blast? 100%. So, no, I don't know. Someone else might be running it now. No, that, I don't uh, think so. It sounds the like the same, same non-detail-oriented gentleman uh, who, who threatened you, Liam, is still putting out shoddy press releases for movies showing at the Philadelphia Independent Film Festival occurring this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Matt, that's actually a pretty interesting point. Now, I imagine you get press releases sent to you in some uh, capacity on a very regular basis. Yes, daily. What makes a press release interesting enough? If it's about a movie that you haven't heard of before, what what can be in a press release that would make it pique your interest? Well, honestly, it's a combination of um, who the publicist is and if I know them, um, if I have something of a working relationship with them. You know, usually that'll that'll will count for something. Sure. Locally, there, locally, there's a couple of uh, publicists here in Austin that if they're repping a film. Um, I can usually say that it speaks to quality. Um, there's a few publicists I won't name their names, mostly because I feel like I will probably mispronounce them because mm. I've only ever seen them in writing. <laughs> but if they send something my way, I at least will read the full press release. Uh, otherwise, if there is something that is related, usually because the stuff I'm getting is stuff that is played a few festivals or um, is making the jump from the festival circuit to VOD. If it's something that I remember somebody talking about on social media, Mm. um, I'll follow up with that. But because I cut my teeth in my earliest days as a film critic on things like the New York City Horror Film Festival and, um, you know, the midnight categories at Tribeca, I have gotten on some very strange... Very strange press lists, which are basically like the contemporary equivalent of, I don't know, the ginger dead man. Like movies where they're like, oh, you know, like asylum films with pretensions, I guess is the best way I could describe some of these mailing lists that I'm on. But I will say I I never feel compelled to come at them or be frustrated by them because my day job, I work in marketing. So I understand the hustle of what they have to do. So I just sort of, I, you know, I don't, I never even blocked them. I have never blocked a publicist. I've only ever archived and said someday, maybe you'll send me something and I'll be like, I have to see that. But that day is not today. It wasn't yesterday. And it probably won't be for a long, long time. I think that's a very kind approach. Now this movie on its, uh, on its surface it stars Ice T. It's named Clinton Road. It's at a uh, festival that I've heard some really shaky things about. Um, 
This is actually screening on Friday, May 10th at 7.30 p.m. But here's a little bit of information that if you were to dig into the press release that it might interest you, might even be something that they should have put in the title of this article. Clinton Road is directed by Richard Grieco and Steve Stanilis. Richard Grieco from 21 Jump Street. And, of course, he had his own successful acting career with the legendary If Looks Could Kill back in the early 90s. Richard Grieco directing a movie. Liam, what do you think? You going to check out Clinton Road? I'm going to stop you right there, Liam. What if I was to add that this film also has both Eric Roberts and Vincent Pastore? Oh, I'm sold. Let's do it. Well, there you go. Once the film gets picked up for distribution, that website will write more about it. I'm sure it'll happen after this uh, awful festival screens it on Friday of this week. Here's something that'll interest you, Liam. Sure. How often in the course of your day-to-day life do you watch Telemundo? Ooh, not very often. Telemundo is a uh, Spanish television network. That's my understanding. Uh, And they have a highly rated series called La Reina del Sur, uh, a.k.a. the Queen of the South. And it returned just recently. And what's notable about it is not only that this is the highest rated uh, uh, series on that entire station, but they have brought in some hardcore international actors in their latest season, including one Mr. Eric Roberts, Liam. Liam, Eric Roberts on a Telemundo uh, uh, production. What do you think? Now, I assume he'll be speaking English and they'll be subtitling him? or does My understanding is he plays a CIA agent. Uh, they've actually aired some of these episodes already. Uh, and he speaks, my understanding, just totally, he speaks English in this. Mm, okay. I wonder at what age that... You know, he's going to go in to look for a film that where he plays a cop, and they're just going to be like, "No, you don't get to play. You don't get to play cops anymore. You're like 95 years old. You cannot be a CIA agent or an FBI agent or whatever." This this is from a press release that I'm reading from here. It says the first season of Reina del Sur broke ratings records for Telemundo with the finale outperforming all networks regardless of language and unleashed the network super series franchise success story. When it says that the finale outperformed all networks regardless of language, that's a huge, that seems huge, right? It's like the most successful television show in all of Spanish speaking, uh, uh, world, perhaps? Liam, very exciting. Uh, unbelievably exciting. I'm do glad you happen just... to know how many, do you have a, do you have viewership numbers? Just, I'm curious, because I know off the top of my head, last week's episode, not yesterday's, <laughs> but last week's episode of Game of Thrones had 17 million viewers i mean that's pretty good more than 17 million i i don't have the numbers in front of me but i will say uh i have a couple of friends down in mexico they don't care for this game of thrones thing i i think it's just a fad really uh that will rapidly end (laughs) very soon it'll never it'll never last and i'm going to say based on nothing that this show had 20 million viewers yeah it wins hey that i don't have any again i can't support it with facts or data but I feel like I feel like what you're saying is true. Hey, over at Thri- I feel like it's true too. Over at ThriveGlobal.com, there's an interview with an actress named Susan Chambers, and I'm only bringing this up because I did my usual Google search for Eric Roberts related news. This is an actress who was in a movie called In the Name of God with the uh, uh, Cheers star John Ratzenberger. This is a faith based movie that also featured Eric Roberts. This actress has a, a small part in the movie, and she tells a story about Eric Roberts and uh, and working with him. Uh, she says it was a crazy two weeks filming. I got the script the night before and stayed up till 2 a.m. just to read it. Um, Eric Roberts was a delight to film with. I was so nervous the first day. Eric walked past me in the hall. 
He jumped back away from me and rubbed his butt like I pinched him. Ha ha! I started laughing. He exclaimed, well, at least she has a sense of humor. That broke the ice, and I relaxed. Matt, classic Eric Roberts story here. Pretending that someone pinched his bum gave mm-hmm. him a, a little goose here. What do you think? Um, I am a question and a comment. Oh, My please. question is, do we know, is Eric Roberts religious? Is he performatively or publicly religious in any way? That is an excellent question, one that can be answered by the hosts of an Eric Roberts-related podcast. So, I have uh, done a little research on this topic, specifically because we've covered a number of faith-based movies here on Eric Roberts' The Fucking Man. My understanding is that he does not consider himself uh, um, particularly religious. However, he considers himself a spiritual person, which means... I will work in faith-based movies. (laughs) Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb feed is the upcoming Chronicle of a Serial Killer, directed by Steve Stanilis. Now, if that sounds familiar, that person's name, it's because he also co-directed that movie with Richard Grieco, starring I See that we talked about just a moment ago. He's a prolific actor, producer, and a former security guard for the stars, including, I believe, Leonardo DiCaprio. And this movie, Chronicle of a Serial Killer, has an all-star cast, including Tara Reid, Dominique Swain, but this is the big one, guys, DMX. Now, according to a report Mm. in Hot New Hip Hop, the legendary rapper is slated to star in this movie, Chronicles of a Serial Killer. In the movie, Brendan Sexton plays the killer Henry Brolin, while DMX plays a lead detective committed to tracking down Brolin. Tara Reid also co-stars. This film also features Eric Roberts as Judge Warner, Chronicles of a Serial Killer, or should I say Chronicle? of a serial killer. Matt, what do you think? This sounds like something that you'll uh, go out of your way to check out and write up as a, a professional film critic. I don't think it's a pitch I could get paid for anywhere. Um, so the answer to that is probably no. But I will say that there are there's someone has yet to really do a definitive deep dive, I think, into the intersection of hip-hop artists and the films that they make um their their forays into cinema and i'm i'm in this weird space these days where whenever i see something good or bad i find myself thinking about what is academia going to be saying about it in five years Mm -hmm. and so like for me is that movie important in the grand scheme of things perhaps no but somebody is going to write a really awesome dissertation someday about the interplay the exchanges cultural exchanges between hollywood and hip-hop and so that will play a big role in the film. And it's just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited that it exists for that reason, because there's some 14-year-old that doesn't even know that this is going to be how they get their master's degree, is to dive right into this film that's coming out with DMX and Eric Roberts. I guess it's time to talk about our movie for this episode of Eric Roberts' <laughs> Fucking Man. Uh, is that how you decide? You just wait until Liam is like, I can't do this anymore, and then you're like, oh, it's movie time. <laughs> I can't talk about the movie until Liam's spirit is uh, sufficiently broken. <laughs> God damn. We could do that before we even do the news segment. Then. The whole news segment could go, because I'm already broken. What do you have on him that you make him do the show with you? <laughs> We're good friends. <laughs> he designed my website. That's he does feel, I think, an obligation to go along with my stupid ideas. Liam, episode 98 of 100, we're so fucking close. We're it is so goddamn close. taste it. We're going to take our first break. When we return, we're going to talk about the 2002 science fiction horror action comedy from director Kevin Tenney. It's called Endangered Species. We're going to talk about it right after this. 
killing machine from another world comes to Earth to kill humans. It's Endangered Species from the year 2002, also sometimes listed as 2003, directed by Kevin Tenney, who you might be familiar with, because he uh, directed a number of notable horror uh, or horror-adjacent films, including the classic Witchboard, Night of the Demons, and just a few years ago he made a film called Brain Dead. Not that one, not that other one either. It's a third movie called Brain Dead. Uh, also written by Kevin Tenney with a uh, superstar cast. They filmed this, this in Lithuania, which we'll talk about in just a bit, but it has uh, Eric Roberts, of course, in the lead as Sully, a police officer. Uh, there's Arnold Vuslu. The, uh, who you might know from, well, well, from The Mummy, certainly, but some other roles as well, including the straight-to-video version of Darkman in the two Darkman sequels, and John Rice davies a notable racist. We'll talk about him in just a little bit as well. Uh, Endangered Species from the year 2002. Matt, you chose this for us to watch. What did you think of it? I kind of liked it. What? <laughs> yeah, so let's, I mean... There's a lot to discuss here. Yes. Um, let's let's not bury the lead in terms of where this movie exists um, culturally. This is a film that opens on gratuitous nudity in a gym. <laughs> this is this is a film with the sort of low budget late '90s, early 2000s special effects you would expect to find <laughs> in an episode, a particularly good episode, mind you, of Mystery Science Theater 2000. But having said all of that aside, there is actual talent in front of the camera they have actual chemistry and there is a little bit uh like a spark of life when it comes to the story and the um surprisingly eco-friendly narrative that it's trying to push so take all that and mix it together it is not a good movie but it is one that i kind of liked it is surprisingly entertaining and whatever money they had is very much on the screen, even if some of that is in the form of early 2000s computer-generated effects that maybe don't hold up as well uh, as some of the physical effects in the movie. But it is very action-packed, surprisingly so, and it's also kind of funny. I mean, there's a lot of amusing <laughs> dialogue. The interplay between the characters, sometimes it's a little much, but I have to say I was amused by a lot of that interplay, particularly between the police officers and their uh, boss who is obsessed with plants in his office. There's a little, a couple of interesting character quirks that kept me engaged when maybe the, the overarching plot wasn't, uh, wasn't so much uh, entertaining for me. But there's also a lot of recognizable elements in this movie that you might see from other films, which we'll get to in just a little bit. Liam, your thoughts on Endangered Species? Um, I also enjoyed it. Mm. <clears throat> We've had a, such a run of real bad movies on this podcast. <laughs> and I went into this super skeptical, especially because um, I think it's worth saying that the uh, th there's a few scenes that are meant to be, uh, I don't want to say Terminator-esque, sure. but... No, absolutely. You know, oh, no, def definitely Terminator. I mean, that police yeah. station shootout. Okay, the police station. But let's go back to the gym scene. The gym scene is the first scene where we get the way that uh, our director has decided to show us uh, these sort of like uh, action-y, uh, slaughtery scenes. Uh, and there's all this weird like freeze frame zoom in uh, aspects sure. that uh, that I find normally quite upsetting i hate that it's one of the, my least favorite things one could do in any sort of uh television or uh film and yet uh once we got past that 
it has a lot of momentum. Eric Roberts is doing his thing. Uh, noted racist John Reese Davies is doing his thing. Uh, and, I, and I would and I would say uh, our man uh, Arnold Voslu 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 Let's go with Voslu. Uh, the character Warden is actually kind of fun. Like at first, I'm just kind of like I can't tell the difference between our two aliens. <laughs> but after a while, he really kind of is is you know he he's having fun uh, taking care of these uh, human apes, these animals on another planet dimension. I don't I don't fucking know. But uh, but there's a lot going on here. I I feel you know I kind of feel like after a while that like even though some of the some of the effects are real bad and some of the some of the I don't know what to call them um, visual habits that the movie uses are, are not so great. Um, there's other stuff that just really works. I, I think the chase scene is kind of fun. I want to talk I about think, that uh, for sure. Yeah, I think um, I think the idea of the movie is also kind of good, even if the that not everything works in the movie to get that idea out there. The idea in and of itself is not bad. Okay, let's so. actually talk about this idea. Give it a little bit more elaboration because it's fully possible that listeners have not seen this movie. So basically, there is a mysterious stranger who is murdering people in gyms across this city. He's going into gyms. He's murdering people. He's taking some of them. He's leaving some of them. But he's like massacring people in gyms and uh the, the police are dumbfounded he seems to be almost indestructible they suspect that it's arnold vuslu who seems to be a very mysterious stranger um and we discover much later in the movie that this gentleman is actually sort of like a hunter and what he's doing is he's taking some of these beautiful corpses to make skin suits out of. And Arnold Vuslu is sort of like our caretaker. A uh, They compare him specifically to um, Jane Goodall and, and other people who kind of, of, of uh, communed with, with animals. Um, and he's, he's, he, he's trying to protect humans from this guy, this hunter, uh, who's basically poaching humans on Earth. Kind of an interesting look. But, of course, the, the movie's message, even though it's kind of obvious and maybe a little groan-worthy, it does get through at the end. Uh, you even get a sense at the very end of the movie that Eric Roberts has turned a corner on his own love of animals. Uh, and, and it does make for kind of a fun, arching storyline that goes through it. How, did you feel that that worked for you, Matt? That, that this kind of... Um, uh, sense this this kind of kind of central idea that we are the animals that compared to uh, the way that we see lesser quote unquote lesser animals on our own planet that maybe aliens might see us the same way. Yeah, it actually did, and I mean part of that right is that this is so steeped in nineties action cinema, um, sure. especially movies like Terminator and Predator, um, that it has a ways to fall mm-hmm. because it's in, its influences are so good. That even just the sort of like a second tier, third tier homage of some of those sequences, which we'll talk about in a minute, like it's still kind of fun because what's inspiring it is ridiculously fun. So it works. But in terms of like the the larger narrative there, I think one thing that the movie gets right that I found myself enjoying is a lot of these movies when mankind is invaded by an alien race, be it, um, you know. I, I want to say The Arrival because I know that Kevin Tenney directed The Arrival too. Mm-hmm. But movies like movies like The Arrival, um, movies like Predator, where it's clear that we are not the apex predator in the right, galaxy, right, right. the message is always one of like, well, humanity sort of shows that it deserves a seat at the table. Like we're able to fight back and defend <laughs> our own. And like, yeah, we don't have high tech weaponry, but there's something innately powerful and you know gutsy about being a human being, and then that works. 
Whereas this movie just sort of ends on a note of like, yeah, we're apes. And, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's great. It's great that we have half decent people that are like trying to prevent us from getting poached. But yeah, I thought that, I thought that was fun. Like it's, it's, yeah. a, it is a film that, that knows its lane and does not deviate from it. There is no grand narrative in terms of like the nobleness or the absolute value of humanity. It's basically like, Oh, like, Oh, we got to team up with this, this, predator or against this predator guy because otherwise he's going to push the shit out of all our gym people and then we won't have any gym people left. I, well, I, I, I think the movie does something else, which I thought was really interesting, which is that when Eric Roberts and um, the other dude are having this conversation about how offensive this idea is, you know, to Eric Roberts, sure. which to me is a reasonable thing, like for him to be like, you know, I don't love that we are big game in this situation. Uh, the guy, you know, the 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 our our game warden basically is like look the chips talk to you guys you know like it, it's almost like our our inability to see why this makes sense is part of the reason that we're in this situation you know what I mean like it's like yeah of course you wouldn't get it you know of course you think yeah. you're better than the monkeys that's part of the problem here is that you're you're so full of yourself you make a really good target a really easy target <laughs> that you wouldn't even think that there would be people here doing there or aliens here doing this i just th- i like that that became part of the 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 idea of it, it was like not just that you know, uh, whatever. But the fact that we see ourselves as better than animals is part of the reason that we are just animals. I wonder if you could tie in the fact that this movie has a lot of gratuitous nudity in it into this idea that it's kind of appealing to our base animal nature that here we are, you know, staring at really, I mean, explicit sequences of Eric Roberts getting a blowjob for whatever reason over uh, his wife. Uh, in front of his kids. In front in of his front kids. In front of his kids. It's, it's not as horrible as that makes it sound, but... It, no, it's sort of <laughs> It's still pretty rough. But, I mean, the movie even starts off, basically, with a lot of gratuitous nudity that, um, honestly, it kind of took me by surprise because I haven't watched movies in the last maybe couple of months which featured this much nudity that is completely kind of separate and and sort of unnecessary for the plot. Uh, I did want to talk a little bit about the fact that this was shot in Lithuania. Uh, there's a few tip-offs to that. Uh, every once in a while, you'll have an actor or actress, and they are clearly dubbed in order to hide their natural accent. Uh, mm-hmm. And and some of the locations that we see, there's a lot of really terrible signage in this movie. Maybe it's because we have to see a lot of different gyms with different signs, but even the police station has a really rough-looking sign. Uh, and everything just feels a little bit off, but I kind of liked it. <laughs> and I also feel like it maybe you know, some of the production values are probably a little bit higher because they were able to shoot in Lithuania. Your little laughter there, Liam, were you thinking of anything in particular that was a bit off here? Uh, I was thinking that I assumed it was filmed in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, the whole time was like, "Oh, this must be a Canadian production." Look at all no, it this. Looks like, it looks the... like shit. It must be Canada. <laughs> yeah, everything looks bad and cold and shitty, and they're able to like risk people's lives because no one cares. This must be in Canada. Shot in Canada, like The Shape of Water, which won Best Picture at the Academy Awards, Liam. Well, this movie is from, you know, back in the day when you guys were still in the dark ages. <laughs> well, fair enough. I want to talk a little bit about John Rice davies uh, Listeners would probably know him best from Raiders of the Lost Ark or maybe uh, in one of his uh, well, many roles, but certainly on the TV show Sliders. He was one of the leads on that. I mean, he's a character actor who's been in many, many, many movies, television shows. You've seen him in, oh, of course, and played Gimli in the Lord of the Rings movies. So that's probably another thing that people know him from. Uh 
we, we've joked a little bit, uh, sort of joked, about his political leanings, uh, which have become uh, a lot more stark over the last few months, but something I've been aware of over the last couple of years. Uh, but I want to get your thoughts on two things. One, his accent, and two, his death scene in this movie. Mm, I want to stick with so you. So good. I want to stick with you for a second, Matt. Now, this character that John Rice Davies plays is a police officer. He's overweight. He is dunked on. For every scene that he's in in the entire movie, but he's also explicitly a complete asshole, and they reinforce that again and again as, as well. He's an asshole, always gets dunked on, a very uh, uh, a character that you want to see hurt in some way, and you get that as well. But is he doing an American accent here? What do you think, Matt? I think he's doing a John Rice Davies accent. Um, <laughs> I think I think he has just entered the point in his career by now where he is like, listen, I'm going to do the voice that I've had for as long as I've had. I'm just going to kind of, it's going to be vaguely foreign, I guess is the best way I could put it. Um, <laughs> one of those like can't quite place it, maybe Eastern European, maybe Australian, hard to say kind of accents. And I think, you know, you just if you get to a certain point in your career and people sort of vaguely have it in their head that you are, you know, a, a prestigious um, international actor. You just sort of roll with that, and you don't lose that for anything or anyone. It, it's, so it, maybe, it, is he trying to do an American accent? I mean, he's, maybe, but it's to me, it just sounds like every every role he's ever done. Every once in a while, he'll, he'll, he'll say something with kind of an affectation on the language that makes it sound like he's trying to sound like a Brooklyn tough guy or something like that. And it's so strange. But this is kind of a weird role for John Rhys Davies, who tends to play, uh, well, he's played a lot of rough characters, certainly. But here, playing such kind of like a deflated uh, buffoon, you don't usually see it. It was kind of nice to see, to be totally honest with you. We're going to talk about his death in a second. First, Liam, could you tell me about his death in this movie? Tell you about it? Like, what happens? Do you recall? No, I don't. Okay, let me let me set the table. It's okay. When I say it, it'll all come back to you, Liam. No worries. They discover alien technology in this movie, and some of that. Oh yes! Oh my God! He shoots the stupid. Oh my God! (laughs) I totally forgot about this. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Can we back up here? Because you you totally screwed me up. Because I was preparing. I was preparing a bunch of stuff to say to you that had nothing to do with this. Okay, please. Um, I hate his character. Like, so we could talk about how um, not all the dialogue in this movie is great, but no. some of it does pop a little bit. Yeah. But the character who consistently doesn't make any sense is John Rice Davies. He's just he's always angry. He feels like everyone is out to get him, and he's the skeptical character. Long after being the skeptical character, is actually <laughs> irrational. Like he, it, we've gotten to the point where okay, like I get that he doesn't you know thinks anything too crazy is happening but he's so much the skeptical character that that's why he dies he cannot believe even though the 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 you know whatever the police equivalent of science dude is telling him this thing is is a heat seeking missile basically that the guns that the that the interdimensional the the crypto terrestrial creature is using are are fucking heat seeking missiles and he's like i don't believe it why would i believe such a thing like this i'll just shoot this gun and nothing bad will happen <laughs> fuck all of you i do whatever i want and he shoots it and he dies right there and, and eric Garwich just goes oh jesus like he, like he decides to, he's so he is so unwilling to believe that this is alien technology that he's going to unload a gun in a police station at a wall. Shoots it. Shoots it. 
and he shoots, and this heat-seeking bullet fucking comes right back and hits him in the eye, killing him. And it's a good thing that Eric Roberts never has to explain what happened here, because seconds later, the alien killer guy comes in and murders everybody in the police station. It is actually pretty fucking amazing. What did you think of this death and what follows, Matt? Oh, man, this is like a... this is. This is a top ten movie death that I've seen in the last few years. Like it is just, it is just this character that's been grating on your nerves for the entire film, um, so and, and and you're just like, you know, like you're like, all right, I get it. You're the comic relief. You're going to do this thing, and then like the movie just 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 offs him and offs him in the most blustery, <laughs> ridiculous fashion. You know, with the same kind of like bleeding eye wound that everybody else has had, and then. And then he's just gone forever. He's just, they're just done. They don't lament him. There isn't a memorial. They don't like, there isn't, he's just, he's just done. And the thing that, that fascinates me is like, this is not the sort of character that you would probably, you'd, it feels weird that they have a name in this. Yeah. Like for this caliber of film, not, you know, not a huge name by any standards, but somebody that people recognize and go, oh, I know that actor. Like what, why did, what part of this made him think like this is the character, and then he like he flips to the last page where he gets shooting the eye, and he's like, oh, "That's fucking brilliant!" And like I have to do this movie. It's just it is it is a, it is a joy. It, it's not very often that you watch one of these films and you're like, "God, this character sucks," and then they're like, "You know what? You're right." Boom, headshot. You're like, "Oh, thank you, movie." Uh, yeah, it's a pretty satisfying moment. Uh, I think back to this character being very irritating. There's a moment where the chief is basically browbeating all the, uh, the cop characters for not uh, finding this killer, and he makes some joke about uh, about him getting an award, and he takes it seriously. He's like, I'm going to get a reward. Oh, no, sorry. I'm going to get an award. And he stands like this fucking model idiot in front of everybody, and all you want to see is this character potentially die in some horrific way, and then they give it to you, so you can't really knock the movie for not delivering on its promises there. Uh, I want to talk quickly before we get to the ending about um, my favorite, or certainly one of my favorite action scenes in the movie, which involves a police car chase of the alien in a vehicle that is able to disappear <laughs> and <laughs> and you can only see it if you're wearing a special pair of sunglasses, which seems like a nod to John Carpenter's They Live. And every once in a while, as this car chase is occurring, you see the alien uh, lean out of the vehicle and shoot back with these, basically a missile launcher that just blows up everything behind him. Uh, but it means that he's kind of leaning out of nothing. Uh, Liam, you said before, I think, that you, you enjoyed this action sequence. Yeah, it was fun. It yeah. was it was just it was it was the whole it wasn't even just the chase, but it was like that whole section was a lot of fun. And then there's a moment where um because he ends up uh he, so basically the the uh, the killer, the the hunter alien mm-hmm. uh blows up various cop cars. Yes. Like just murders them. And Eric Roberts uh, follows him into this lot where he goes invisible and then he gets saved when it when the alien tries to run him over by the other uh alien gentleman the warden gentleman um saves him pulls him into this like i don't know fucking pocket dimension i don't know what the fuck it is <laughs> and then he's just like get in the car and all of a sudden they're in a in a 
buddy cop movie. You know what I mean? Like it just switches gears on that so quickly. And I, I fucking love that. And then all of a sudden they're chasing him. And then Eric Roberts, the, the look that he gives him, Eric, cause he puts on the, the, as you said, the, the truck is invisible. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, our, uh, warden gentleman puts on the goggles, a la they live that he can see the 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 vehicle and eric roberts is like oh right the goggles and puts on his own goggles that he stole <laughs> from this dude's fucking room and the dude doesn't even know it and then the dude just looks at him and the look he gives him is like the look you would give a raccoon that pulled out a pair of sunglasses <laughs> it's like like i think that's part of the deal is is why this movie kind of works is that this guy really has mastered the like oh eric roberts and all these other people are just fucking you know chimps who learned sign language they're really not that smart you know and so like the look he gives him is just so fucking funny to me i just thought that was great matt what did you think of the chase yeah i thought it was actually pretty good it was so good that it sent me looking um through some of the credits to figure out if the cinematographer had done anything sure and um yeah he actually has Uh, his name is chris manley he's a graduate of temple university in philadelphia talking about world there but this is a guy that went on in his career to do stuff like American Horror Story, Mad Men, Masters of Sex, The Romanoffs, a lot of television credits. But it's it's just one of those things where you're, you know, it, there's nothing between this and the the shootout in the um, in the police station. Mm-hmm. There's nothing particularly unique or special about them. They're just solid. Yeah. But the fact that they're just solid is such a differentiator from this type of film that that in and of itself is is enough to stand out. There's there's a shot um, in the car chase that I remember where the van before it turns invisible, it, you know, pulls a, a quick turn off uh, an exit ramp mm-hmm. and exits comes rearing around the corner as the camera kind of pans and follows it with another police car chasing, and then the camera stops at this other police car that had been pulled into a gas station, right. and suddenly that, that police car tears out after the other two, and it's it's a there's, again, it's not a flashy shot, but it's just it, it, it speaks so much to the competence visually of how the action in this has been staged that you're just like, oh, this like this is a movie that actually has a sense of, of how these scenes should look. They're not just, you know, doing the cool stuff or shots that they think are cool and then cutting together some random mishmash and post like that shot had intention. There was staging. There was actual a series of events that had to take place in camera to get the desired effect. And I think that's that's kind of what impressed me the most. It's like it, it is a movie where the action sequences don't feel like they're cutting corners, or they're a group, you know, a, a director and a cinematographer who are trying to constantly hide the fact that they can't do the things that they're doing. They're right. just actually doing the things that they're doing, and that's really refreshing. You did get the impression that this movie has a few more resources, perhaps because it was shot in Lithuania, than a lot of the lower budget movies of this time period, even with similar acting talent on screen in them. I do want to say that while the uh, police station shootout is very derivative of the Terminator, it's actually still really impressive uh, how it's staged in this movie. It is extremely mm-hmm. violent. Uh, and it, you know, you do see like literally dozens of people who are mowed down by these automatic weapons. It's uh, it still has a punch, even if it's something that you've seen before, maybe multiple times. Uh, I think the ending is something I'm actually going to save in this case, particularly because this movie is available to watch right now on Amazon prime in the United States. If you have a Amazon prime account, you could be watching it right now. Uh, don't turn off the podcast, listen to the rest of it, then go watch it. I want to talk about Eric Roberts, the actor in the movie 
uh, what's this fucking movie called again? Endangered Species. <laughs> I want to talk about Eric Roberts, the actor in the movie Endangered Species from the year 2002 or 2003. Uh, what did you think of this performance from Eric Roberts? He does play the lead cop. He is definitely the lead in this movie. He gets most of the screen time. Uh, we get to see his relationship with his family. We get to see him being kind of a tough cop. We even get him, get to see him, uh, get an award that, uh, that is then, kind of taken away when you find out that the person that he got the award for arresting or uh, uh, wasn't actually the person involved with the killing in the first place. Uh, sticking with uh, with you, Matt, what did you think of Eric Roberts in this movie? I, I thought he was all right. Um, you know, we've... I, clearly, I've been on the show before, and I've watched Eric Roberts <laughs> movies, so I would not profess to be anywhere near a Doug level of caliber, but, you know, I kind of have a sense of what the range of Eric Roberts' performances look like, and I don't consider him to be an actor that that is prone to phoning stuff in. He is in things that are not good, but he's never, at least in the stuff that I've seen, he's never 100% disengaged. And this is sort of, at a, I think at a sweet spot in his career where, you know, he was, he was too old for this role. Um, kind of clearly like he's, you know, he is the father of a 12 year old and then a six year old. And he's probably in his late fifties at this point already. So, um, not not particularly fitting there, but he's still got a bit of a pep in his step. He's still able to do some of the running and the action sequences stuff that's there. And it's it's an it is enough of I mean, I think Liam put it well. Like it's enough of a buddy comedy that he gets to be a bit more of the over the top guy to Vosloo's um kind of straight man. And it by himself, I don't think it would work, but when the two of them are on screen together, it actually does. Like his mm-hmm his instincts to sort of like wink and nod a little bit at the audience with some of his line readings play off the fact that he's actually winking and nodding at Moose Who's like, I don't give a shit about any of this. You're a fucking ape. Like that dynamic on screen works surprisingly well. Um, so it, it would actually, to me, it's, it's one of, it's not one of his better performances, but it's one of his performances that worked best because of the talent that he's surrounded with. It's a, it's a very straight role in some ways. So you can't really show off, uh, a lot of those those acting chops that we've seen in some of his more beloved uh, uh, performances in the past, but it is one that when he is playing off other characters in particular, like his best friend or at least his friend at the, uh, you know, it's strange. His friend gets murdered when he's doing that autopsy on the arm, and you never see his response to it at all. I guess in the cavalcade of death that that follows, uh, it just gets lost in the shuffle. Uh, yeah, no, 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 because. Where does that puppy come from? His friend has been trying to get him to adopt the puppy the entire damn movie. And in the end, after his friend has died, he comes home with one of that guy's puppies. That uh, I mean, That's a I, weird way to honor your friend. I, I, I mean, I did make that connection, but he never looks sad. It's so interesting that the scene after everyone in the police station gets killed, it's just him in, his ho- in the hospital and his wife and children visit him. And he's all smiles. It's like, nah, I'm okay. It just got a little cut across my nose. And like literally everyone he knows and works with has been murdered. Uh, very interesting response to that. Liam, over to and his wife. His wife does take it in stride too. She's like, oh, if you get killed, I'm going to be really mad at you. I'm like, <laughs> dozens of police officers are dead. At this point, getting killed is not the aberration. Like, he is going to die. I to that. <laughs> uh, I Actually, some of the interplay between Eric Roberts and Arnold Woosley in this movie reminded me of the uh, classic science fiction action movie, The Hidden, uh, which uh, had kind of a similar mm-hmm. vibe and, and two characters playing off each other. Liam, sure. what, what did you think of Eric Roberts in this movie? Um, it, it was – you said it was a straight performance, and I would say that it almost isn't a performance mm. um, in that – 
this is who Eric Roberts is, honestly. That there's a few moments where he's definitely doing a performance. Like, for example, I don't think he's literally getting a blowjob when his children catch him uh, in the act. But uh, but there are other times where the way he acts and what even what he says, I'm like, that's what Eric would do in this situation. Um, so so that could be seen as as a negative but but i don't think it's true because there is that chemistry between him and uh um the our warden and honestly he the way he even plays off of uh noted racist john reese davies and uh and 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 sort of responds to his you know blustering anger in those situations he is bringing a sort of snappy fun to it and it's really an endearing performance for a character that could possibly not work this is not a sterling script he's not given the wittiest lines to to bust out here um but he really sells it and it, it makes the movie fun uh i think uh don't get me wrong i could see recasting this movie especially you could take this this the, even a script this kind of loose uh, and if it was shot in a different era with different people, I might even love it. It might be actually move over into mm. a movie that I think is really great. I think it's kind of hampered by some 90s stuff uh, and, and sort of the way it is uh, and, and the the budget it has and the way it was filmed. But I think the reason it, part of the reason it works. <laughs> Just everything. <laughs> everything, Liam. Aside from the performances. <laughs> by, by the cast and the script. No, but what I'm saying is that <laughs> part, of the the reason, part of the reason it works. And the is colors. Because, is because of Eric Roberts. I think Eric Roberts really, uh, he, you know, it, again, I prefer as an actor when Eric Roberts isn't the Eric Roberts that we met. He's he's uh, manic or he's uh, chewing the scenery a little bit or he's freaking out. That's not what we get here. And yet he brings such uh, an endearing charm and a real good foil for our uh, unemotional alien who just can't believe. I mean – you know, the 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 only part where uh, what's his name, Usulu or whatever, really gets to emote is when it turns out he's wrong and the other alien kills him. Or, you know, <laughs> that's like the only time he does any emotion of any kind. Uh, but it works. It works with Eric Roberts. So I just really I really enjoyed him in this movie. You know, well, then I, I can and I want to follow up. If you sure. Don't mind, real quick, Absolutely. Just on that real quick. So I, I tweeted this out last night after I watched the film, but it does bear repeating that Arnold Usulu between the years 1999 and 2001 um, had been in the mummy and the mummy returns. He had made, he'd been the, the big bad in movies that grossed almost a billion dollars at the international box office, $850 million ish between the two films. And less than a year later, he was making a low budget movie with Eric Roberts in Lithuania. Like the story of where like and, and that wasn't an aberration too. That was the pretty much the rest of his career, other than like a few, you know, like oh hey, I remember you type roles in, in bigger movies. Like he was a B movie actor, and then he was in the biggest franchise, one of the biggest franchises of the century, and then he was immediately a B movie actor again. And I just find that endlessly fascinating. Well, well Matt, just to add to that, because this is sort of the, the the flip side of that is in this very movie, right? John Rhys Davies made this movie in two thousand three, the same year. Lord of the Rings Return of the King came out. So he might have went right from this to New Zealand for basically two years to film those three movies. And it, it, it's weird to think that the only person here who wasn't in the middle, like immediately coming <laughs> off or doing something else, is the namesake of the goddamn podcast. His time will come. Uh, Liam, is Eric Roberts the fucking man in uh, Endangered Species? Yes. I like it. I like the confidence. I like the power behind your words. 
Matt Monagle, beloved friend of the show, is Eric Roberts the fucking man in 2003's Endangered Species? I, I think Arnold Vuslu is the fucking man in well. 2003's Endangered Species, but I will say that, um, that it's a partnership and they both get there together. A, a reluctant yes to whether Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I'll take it. Hey, someone else can start an Arnold Vuslu is the fucking man podcast. I'd support it. <laughs> I'd appear on it. I wouldn't mind checking that out at some point. I'm going to confirm what both of you have already stated so clearly, so cleanly. That Eric Roberts is the fucking man in Endangered Species. I think uh, we were all a little surprised by how much we enjoyed this very derivative but very entertaining movie. Uh, one well worth going out of your way to see. I have to say, looking at the poster, looking at the description, I was expecting something very g- generic, very kind of Jim Wynorski-esque uh, with maybe footage from a dozen other movies. Instead, they just reshot scenes from other popular movies and then put them all together into a plot that's actually kind of fun and it's actually kind of entertaining. So if you want to check it out, yeah, it's on Amazon Prime right this very second. Uh, otherwise, I don't know where you would pick up a copy of it. Check <laughs> out Amazon Prime. I think there's some used uh, DVD copies on there. But I will give a hearty recommendation to 2003's Endangered Species and the Eric Roberts performance within. With that said, we need to take our final break. When we return, we're going to do a little plugging and say goodnight. I'm looking down the hole. You're looking up at me. You're cold and tired. That is easy. episode number 98 of eric roberts is the fucking man i want to give a massive huge stupendous shout out and thank you to our guest today mr matthew monagle a wonderful film critic a wonderful presence on social media someone you should follow matt where can people find you on the internet so you can find me um on twitter primarily which is uh lab splice l-a-b-s-p-l-i-c-e is my handle there um i am Usually in the Austin Chronicle, which is the alt-weekly newspaper here in Austin, Texas, with film reviews and interviews. And I am usually in Film School Rejects on a weekly basis with features, interviews, um, reviews, just sort of a grab bag of different type of filmic content. But yeah, if you follow me on Twitter, you will get um, a lot of commentary about Game of Thrones, Elizabeth Warren, and um, apparently Eric Roberts films. Yeah, well, it's all good stuff. And you know what? Sometimes on Eric Roberts is the fucking man, my recommendation to follow people on Twitter is kind of half-hearted. Certainly when I suggest following Liam, it just come, you can feel that it's forced <laughs> when I'm saying it. I'm just going to say I fully support you following at Lab Splice, and I'll put that in the show notes. And you better do it. I'm going to check later. So I'm just going to say that right now. Liam! Lots of exciting stuff happening at Cinepunks. People should definitely follow you on Twitter, at Liam Rules. That's R-U-L-Z. But what's going on with you on the internet? I mean, not a lot. Basically, uh, (laughs) Cinepunks. Uh, Yeah, so up next we have a a new episode of Horror Business. Should be out by now. Uh, We're recovering two Shudder exclusives, uh, Satan Slaves, which is a 2017 Indonesian film, and Don't Leave Home 
which is a 2018, I think it's Irish film, or at least it's set in Ireland. I, I think mm-hmm. it's an Irish production too. Uh, but they're, you know, we mostly cover old films on horror business. And so every once in a while we like to just, you know, let's see what's on shutter that maybe people have seen at a fest or hadn't got a chance to see. Uh, so that was fun to do that. Um, as far as Cinepunks goes, we, I don't think we'll have a new episode out yet, but if you keep an eye on our social media, we'll let you know we have a new one. And we just put out a new episode of The Flight Stuff that we both do together with uh, Adriana Gober. Yeah, that's about the uh, Canadian superhero team, uh, Alpha Flight, Liam. Yay! Yeah, it's great stuff. So you can check all the new stuff over at Cinepunks.com. I also recently published an article on there finishing my three-part look at the... uh, uh, Darkman comic book, the adaptation of the Sam Raimi movie and its comic book form where I compare both the movie, comic book, and the script that's available online. I had a lot of fun with it. It's a long time coming, but I think it's a pretty good read. Uh, if you want to find out more about Eric Roberts is the fucking man, and why wouldn't you? You can follow us on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M or go over to ericrobertsistheman.com and check out our latest episodes or dig into the archive. Hey, there's 98 full episodes to listen to. Why not start at the first one and work your way up? That's what I'd recommend. Of course, Matt monocle here he's been on an episode before and uh, you can dig into our archives and listen to that maybe i'll put that out onto our twitter feed in the next couple days as well do a search for eric roberts prophecy Two. yeah prophecy Two rules featuring the prophecy Two, uh which uh which hey that was a long time ago really glad to have matt back on the show uh i also have uh, on facebook there's a group for eric roberts is the fucking man just do a search for eric roberts is the man on facebook i recently did uh, an episode of no budget nightmares my other podcast about micro budget and shot on video horror uh there was an episode on the movie terror at 10 killer from the year 1986 not only do we cover the movie but we have an interview with one of the actors who provided uh one of the voices for the characters in that movie because it ended up that when they were making the movie they didn't know how to record audio so later a whole different crew had to go back and dub the whole thing we have one of the actors a friend of the show why don't you check that out over at nobudgetpodcast.com or on twitter at no budget podcast you know what enough plugging we're done here we're going to be back very soon with another eric roberts classic good night everybody bye (laughs) eric roberts is the fucking man eric roberts is the fucking man eric roberts is the fucking man if there's anything that you can do eric roberts fucking can